This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. today's episode, we talk about coaching is teaching, the energy and effort that needs to set a foundation for that, and third down defense and kick return. And joining me to discuss those things is Jared Kite, the safeties and special teams coordinator at University of Maine. Coach, it's great to have you here today. Coach, thank you for having me. Um, you know, such a pleasure to be on the podcast, especially in a time where, you know, it's difficult to, to get in front of each other and and to learn, but to have this, uh, this platform to, to share and learn uh, the game we love. Um, it's just a pleasure to be here, so thank you. Coach, let's get into it and you know, start with the beginning for you. What was it that uh, made you want to be a football coach? What's your why behind coaching? Yeah, so for me, um, not unlike a lot of other guys, um, college football player, I played D3 football at Utica College, upstate New York. Um, you know, I was a local guy, got recruited there from Coach Fagiano, great mentor in my life, um, recruited me there. Uh, never got to actually start a game, played backup quarterback, um, you know, but was a team guy, um, leadership council, all those things. And, uh, you know, um, great uh, rapport with my, my, my staff, you know, the coaches, um, you know, the rest of the team and the players. And, uh, you know, going into my, my senior year, my last season, um, you know, I was on the plus one program in, in terms of my internship. So I had to come back for a fall and do my internship with the local police. And Coach Fagiano, um, you know, offered me basically a part-time spot, a small stipend to come in and, and help the quarterback, the position that I played. So, you know, I, I thought in my mind at the time, it was a great opportunity to just stay around the game, put a little money in my pocket while I was doing my internship. You know, I would go do my internship till about, two o'clock and then, and then go right to practice and do the game planning. So, um, you know, I wasn't doing much of off the field stuff. I, I was mostly practice and, and working with that. So, you know, I did that for the fall, uh, finished up my internship and then it was decision time for me. Um, you know, coach Fagiano really thought that I had a future in this. And, you know, to be honest with you, the first day I took the practice field, I loved it. Everything about it, uh, the teaching aspect, the flow of coaching, and you never really know until you dive into it how much goes into the coaching at the college football level, and I just fell in love with it. Um, so when the time came to make the decision, uh, following the fall, uh, Coach Fagiano had, had been talking with Coach DeLong from Springfield without me knowing, uh, basically telling him he has a guy. Um, Coach DeLong's a Holland Patton guy. That's my hometown. 
Um, you know, so kind of behind the scenes was setting that up. And I was sitting here getting ready to start a, a career in law enforcement. Um, and Coach Faggiano basically was like, hey, man, I want you to go take this interview. You don't have to take it. Just do it. Um, I was a little bit worried about the money at the time. Very, very small stipend. But uh, for any coaches that know about Springfield and that, uh, you know, that coaching tree, it was just an excellent opportunity that I didn't even really understand at the time. Uh, but I went, I did the interview. Ultimately, Coach Fasciano, they offered me the job. He said, you have to take it. Um, so I took it, and it was the best decision of my life. Um, you know, I was a GA there for two, uh, a year and a half with nine other guys and making no money, but our lives were surrounded with football. Um, we were graduate students, um, you know, always in the offices and, and just die. And that's where I truly found my passion, my love for it. So Coach Faggiano kind of pushed me into that path. And then, uh, you know, I just hit the ground running from there. So that's kind of my story and how I got into it. Coach Faggiano has been on the, the podcast before. I had a chance to meet him at last year at uh, the New York High School Coaches Clinic. And we have that one actually coming up here. I'll link uh, that episode in the show notes. Uh, I, I could see definitely the, uh, the influence there. Um, but you get started with that. And uh, like you said, you're around ball all the time. And as you get going in your career, what were some of the key takeaways for you in, in you know, some of the places you've been or some of those, those mentors who came in along the way? Oh, well, it, it starts with the work. Um, you know, everybody, regardless, you know, whether you're coming from a coaching background, family-wise or not, um, you know, there's a lot to learn in the coaching field. So the first thing that I learned in, in the Springfield way when I got there was, um, you know, you, you got to put your work in and, and kind of cut your teeth and grind your teeth to get this thing done, right? Um, and you learn that uh, uh, don't say no mentality. So uh, one of the things I learned when I got to Springfield was the first question, like, hey, who can do this for us? It might have been just a, like a run and errand or run some prints, but nine hands went up. Um, and that's just one of the takeaways that I immediately knew, like, this is going to be a grind and, you know, it's a fun grind, but when, you know, the coaches tell you, look, this is time away from family and energy spent on players and football. Uh, and that's where your life is devoted to. That's the truth. And, you know, when you dive into that profession, you really got to, uh, um, accept that and, and own it. And, uh, you know, a lot of late nights in my, in my time at, Springfield and moving into Rutgers and here at Maine but um you know it's one of the things you learn and it's a growing curve and uh you know you embrace it it becomes part of your lifestyle and a love for it so um you know that's one of the things you dive into and you learn and it just kind of becomes you I know for you now in, in your career a big thing that really sets the foundation of what you do is the idea that coaching is teaching and you know before we got going uh, you said something I wrote down here in my notes. It, it's about developing content uh, that will be put to use, right, for these guys, right? You, you don't think about, wow, we're developing content as coaches. But, you know, nowadays we are, especially as we've moved to this virtual world and we have to engage guys and be very efficient with that. They're no longer in our meeting room. We don't, we don't know. Is that phone right there below their lap texting somebody? Are they paying attention? You know, we have to be very engaging in what we do. So more than ever, I think that statement holds true. Talk to us about, you know, that idea. What do you do to develop content and, you know, use different techniques, obviously, to hit all learning styles? 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's one specific thing, right? I think you it's got to be a constant change, but uh, same streamline in the way you teach. Um, you know, I look at my room specific, my safety room, and you might have six to eight different types of learners in there. You got guys that are film guys. You got guys that are X's and O's and boards guys. Um, you got guys that need to go up and do it themselves in order to learn or guys that need to go do the walkthrough. And I think it's up to you as a coach uh, or myself as a coach to really find every guy's niche in their best path to learning. Um, and again, coaching is teaching. I got that from coach Fagiana. It's one of the first things I've learned. Um, and it's true. You are a teacher. So how are you going to engage with student athletes in a manner that gets them to learn the content um, that you're trying to ultimately get them to perform? And I think, you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle every single day to find, you know, different uh, techniques and ways to change things up, you know, changing up a slide or changing up a teaching method or um, canceling a meeting to take them out for a walk and doing things like that just to keep them on their toes and engaged. And, and the most important thing um, for me is to ask questions and have guys teach it back to me. And the same way I say coaching is teaching for me, um, you know, in order to, to fully learn something, you got to be able to coach it back. That's when I, when uh, a player can teach it back to me, that's when I truly know that they know it. Um, so ultimately my goal as a coach is for them to become a coach to me. And, um, you know, it, it's our job to find different ways to streamline that. And, um, you know, <laughs> fortunately for us and technology, there's a hundred different ways to do that now with film and iPads and resources and all those. So, um, just finding that way and getting the guys to uh, to buy in for it. The um, the teaching aspect of this really has always been something I've studied. I've, when when I would you know lead a, a team as a high school head coach or was a coordinator and, and led a unit at the college level, learning was was a big part of the culture, right? And that idea of being able to teach others and you know, mm -hmm. I saw early on the effect of that probably not till I got to the college level uh you know and, and I remember the first year he's uh, he's I think he's out of coaching now he's a school administrator but uh John Myers a player of ours you know my first year he was he was going to be one of our top receivers and in our scrimmage he tears his ACL and he's out and we have this freshman who's like super talented coming in knows nothing and you know john takes him under his wing and teaches him and and you know from there he becomes a great coach right but he's teaching him everything he knows and, and to me that was impactful as a coach to see that and the, the power that it had and you know just in, in my recent study and reading some things you know that idea of being able to teach something especially if you know up front you're going to be expected to teach this stuff you, you put a different focus on how you're going to learn it, right? You need to make sure you have those details straight so that you can communicate it to someone else. Uh, so, so it's very powerful in, in the classroom to do it. Um, you know, the, the thing I'm wondering is, you know, what are some of those methods? How do you get those guys who aren't teachers, who aren't coaches, to be able to teach that? How are you coaching, coaching them through that process? It's, it's the same way in my mind. Um, you know, you're an up and coming coach and trying to learn a new position or new content. It's going to take the work. Um, a lot of the time it's going to be individual work. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times guys come in on their own and, and just try to learn one-on-one um, -on -one because it's, it's a more focused learning environment where you're not speaking to three or four bodies at the same position. 
and they they feel comfortable about asking those questions. A lot of time, younger guys, um, but getting them comfortable and, and really you got to get to know your guys. And I think that's a priority. If, if you're going to try to teach content, you got to know who you're teaching it to um, and, and, you know, and what their, their best learning style is. So um, a lot of the times I'll, we'll hold freshman meetings or one-on-one meetings just to clarify and, and try to get guys comfortable with communicating and, and asking questions so that they can fully get to the answer to teach it back. Um, you know, so I don't, I, I learning to teaching that relationship from coach to player, player to coach um, to me is very similar, you know, and, and learning a new position as a coach and learning techniques as a player um, it's going to take the work and sacrifice. And then obviously as a coach, you've got to be there um, much like mentors in the coaching world to, you know, help it along and, and provide the proper learning environment. So, um, you know, I think those techniques of bringing guys in, putting them on the board, um, you know, just having them watch film with each other, having a younger guy teach an older guy, because a lot of times, you know, a freshman might not be comfortable with, you know, a coach that's, you know, just wants answers and it, but you know, maybe he's in there with a junior or senior watching film and teaching him and more comfortable with that. The same guys he's hanging out in the locker room with. So um, just finding different ways for each guy. And I don't think there's a right answer, um, you know, universally because every, every person and every player and every coach is different. So um, for me, just finding that within the player, um, you know, and just attacking that and trying to get the most out of it. I know for, for you, your coaching and teaching is, is built on the energy and the effort that you bring. And, you know, to say you got to have energy and effort, that's an easy thing to do to have focused energy and effort so that it's channeled the right way that you're getting the results you want through your coaching and teaching is, is the challenge. So for you, how do you focus that energy and effort in order to get the results you want? Yeah, we, we talk about intentional effort and energy all the time here. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a mentality. Nobody wakes up and, and says, I'm going to have a bad day today, right? So it's it's a mentality of waking up and knowing what your day is about and what you want. And I think it's important as a coaching staff to, to be organized in that sense so that the guys know, um, you know, so I think, you know, that organization to me that the, it's the meeting, it's the setup for the meeting, it's how you approach it, how you look and how you deliver, right? And so um, for me, my most important meeting of the entire year for me is, is that first meeting and kind of laying down that foundation and showing the guys that a, I know what the heck I'm going to be talking about, but B dang, do I love it? You know what I mean? And, and that energy and that passion, it kind of, um, you know, ascends to the rest of the room and it is, it's contagious. So just kind of building that foundation on day one and carrying that energy and effort. And that's just who I am as an individual. Um, you know, whether it be on the football field in the offices or, uh, you know, at the bowling alley, I'm going to have a lot of effort. I want to compete. I'm going to have a lot of fun. And, you know, I want my special teams unit, my safeties group to, to emanate that. And I, I really want to, uh, you know, if, if they don't love what they're doing and I don't love what we're doing, then what the heck are we doing? And, uh, you know, I think that all goes to play. And I think it's up to us as a coaching staff to, to have that environment and that foundation and the players to build off it. Cause ultimately, um, you know, it takes energy and effort to, uh, you know, to execute. And that's the, the foundation. That's the first part of her first piece of any success is the energy and effort for it. So, um, you know, for me, it's just about, you know, having fun, exciting meetings, getting to know the players and, and having them feel my passion for it. Cause I do love what I do. 
And if we all love what we do as coaching staff and players, then we're ultimately giving ourselves the best chance at success. You guys had a lot of success on the kick return unit, four touchdowns in two years, um, something that you want that energy and effort uh, brought to. And obviously coaching those, those details that are in there. So um, talk to us first about the philosophy behind that unit. What, what things are you putting there in that first meeting that this is what we're going to accomplish and this is how we're going to do it? Yep. The first thing we always talk about is we're going to be a hundred percent possession. Um, you know, so see the ball kicked, field the ball, nothing hits the ground, make great decisions at the returner spot. Um, so that's our first 100% possession first goal. Um, our second is, you know, we want to create explosives and the way we do that, it goes right back to the energy and effort and our return units. Um, you know, when we look at it, you don't have to be the biggest, strongest, fastest guy. All you need to do is give us eight seconds of great energy and effort with technique, and we'll have a shot because we're going to put us in great situations schematically. We're going to have great returners. Um, you know, we have great skill athletes. So if we can get nine, ten guys up front blocking and giving fanatical effort until the whistle blows, we will always have a shot for a touchdown. Um, and that goes for punt return and kick return, and that's the mentality we teach. We try to go penalty free. That's our best chance at explosives, and it just goes back to technique to technique. So when I look at the bodies and the guys that I want on these units, it's going to be the guys that um, this means the most to, and they want to go out and give me the most effort, the team, the most effort, because they know that this is a touchdown opportunity um, and they're going to play within the rules, right? They're not going to get us any penalties and back us up. So um, those are the first, the first things we're looking for. And ultimately, you know, this is a unit that our guys want to be on because we've had success on it and guys are, are dying to get out there and celebrate in the end zone with our, with our return unit. So, um, you know, I think it starts with the the possession and then going into fundamentals and and creating explosives. I know when I took over the kick return unit at Baldwin Wallace, um, you know, it was a little bit different for me. In in fact, the the very first meeting when I started there, we had Frank Novak in for two days. He was a retired uh, special teams coach for the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, I, I filled up multiple notebooks in, in a day and a half of him talking, and especially on the kick return. And, and so uh, a big part of that, though, was placement of the personnel. And in the scheme we ran, uh, it was important for that front line, the front line of guys, to be able to run back in space, get to, get to a, a drop point, and then engage their guy uh, and block them in space. And it, it, it was, you know... Especially at that time, there hadn't been quite all the rule changes yet on on things. I think mm-hmm. the uh, the wedge was eliminated, but you know it was a change in mentality of of that unit. And you know, I, there's been talk you know over the last several years of you know eliminating kickoff and and all those things. And, and I'm 100% against it. I I love that play. I think it's a beautiful play. And, and when you understand yeah, the best play in football, all the athleticism that goes into it and that, you know, you have, I was talking to uh, Thomas Sheffield on, on the podcast, right. In, in, in coaching those special teams players, I mean, you're developing that full football player, that guy who can block and tackle and run in space, you know, the skills that mm-hmm. you know, we want out of everybody. And, and so for us frontline, especially, I found myself using our receivers 
um, which which was you yeah. know a, a difference in our personnel from what I had done before. And and um, again, I I just love looking at the different ways this is done. So from a personnel standpoint, you know, what are you looking for in in uh, each line of guys or in each of those positions? I guess uh, across each line. Yeah. No. Uh, great question. So uh, we're basically we're an alley type return. So we're always trying. Well, typically we'll have an alley return, a shoot return, and something countered back to the field. Um, so on our front side, we'll have typically we'll get a double team and some kind of kick out or kick in. So those are usually bigger bodies. Um, your fours at the at the tight end spot or um, guys that are a little more athletic running backs with with some stuff to them but can field any dribbles or anything that's kicked hard at them. And our backside is the exact bodies that you just mentioned. It's the receivers, longer guys that can cover ground, flip, pedal, settle, and execute basically a stock block and open field. Um, and now in the back end where it was some of these bigger, heavier bodies, um, kind of what you alluded to where you could do the two man wedges and the kickouts, we've gone to more athletic style. Again, similar to those four body types, tight ends, bigger running backs, guys that can field the ball, but also execute one-on-one kickout blocks in the open field. Um, you know, so there, there does take, you know, some athletic bodies out there because all the solo blocks and the one-on-ones, especially with the rule changes, um, you know, so the majority of our bodies are going to be those three to four style bodies, longer guys that can run and get, you know, chest to chest and strike and move some bodies. Um, you know, so very similar to the wide receiver bodies on the backside, on the front side, we look for a little more thicker bodies that can go one-on-one and, and maybe some double teams and trap blocks. So you mentioned the uh, the three types of kicks uh, that you do. Um, what, are the, what are the differences in those in the scheme and how you're doing those? Yeah, so we're always, uh, you know, in our game plan, we always want to keep our scheme. So typically we always have a post uh, and a web double on a certain body with either a kick in or a kick out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that'll be our alley to sideline type return. And typically off of that, we like to play with those trap blocks and those double teams. Um, So we, the way we kind of teach it is we want this kickoff team to be guessing when they're running. So if we can change up who the, where the block is coming from in each of these protections while maintaining the same type of blocks, our guys can hold on to the technique and all they have to do is remember that who they're changing their technique on. So our alley style return, we might have a double team on the four trying to kick out the, or kick out the three and hit it there. Well, on the next one, we might look like we're about to double. Uh, we'll peel off, block the three and the four, and then counter that, that kick out back to the field for a counter return back to the field. So it looks the same. Kickoff team might be going a little slower, and then all the blocks kind of dissipate, and, and it's setting up a new return. And then a lot of the times what we like to do is counter off of that return and get a similar look and then try to surprise block or ambush somebody that has been getting solo blocked on the backside and try to hit a shoot. So we want, it's more of a personnel thing to keep them guessing. Um, And ultimately we want to block their best players. So if I feel like, you know, the five's one of their best players, I'm going to double the five, try to kick and and develop a return off of that. But um, you know, in terms of technique, you know, we're not changing a lot of the things we do, we're just changing our count and who we're blocking. So trying to make it simple for our guys, but keep them guessing in the same philosophy. In, in coaching up the technique part of this, what's your approach, right? And, and I mean, I'm, again, I'm thinking back to the days, uh, you know, when, when I'm playing the game, there was a lot of 
you know, get out there and run your reps. And that was the special teams period. And I've, I've, I think it's great. I've seen so many people now taking the individual period approach to it. Uh, but at mm-hmm. the same time, we know we're limited, right? We, we don't, though we're a third of the game, we don't get a third of the practice. So uh, how are you teaching those fundamentals? So we'll start in camp. We'll, we'll break off into those pods. We'll teach everybody. We have a front line and a back line in terms of bodies. So we'll break off our back line. We'll be working our primary returns, and we'll, we'll figure out those body types, and they'll just stay put. Our front line, we'll have two groups. We'll have our front side and our back side. So in our first couple, uh, our first couple of days that we rep it, you know, we'll get a look at both, uh, both sides. We'll rotate them, um, and ultimately we'll start to develop our depth. So once we get into the season, then we'll have those same pods, but we just won't rotate. We'll keep our depth. Um, you know, we'll line up some scout bodies three to four bodies for the front side, three to four for the back side, um, change up the call, execute that technique, and then we'll go to practice. And then once we practice what we've kind of gone to, and I've seen it, uh, again, you know, a lot of coaching is, is taken from other coordinators and coaches. So um, shortening up those kickoff reps and kickoff return reps, moving up the kickoff, the scout kickoff team, um, you know, to that, that plus 45 and having them go from there. And that way our drops aren't as, um, drastic, right? We're not taking those 30, 25 yard drops to the kick. It's now dropped to a yard mark, execute. And then from there for us, it's, it's about strike and leverage. So every, every player on the unit has a leverage that they're supposed to keep, whether you're trying to kick, pin, uh, or nose up. So if we can develop a strike and keep that leverage, that's kind of how we're teaching it. Uh, and that's what we're looking for in our pods and our practice when we go full group. But that's kind of how we break it down um, and identify personnel and within our scheme and, and break it up that way. So in returning for in, in two years, you know, how many times do you start to see that they're not going to kick it deep for you? Because I had that same situation. I, I think we, we had two freshman guys, you know, the one I mentioned having to be coached up, who was just a dynamic receiver. We had him and, and a guy who ends up being, by the time he's a senior, the fastest man in division three football, won the hundred uh, in track. You know, those guys took back three uh, their freshman year. The next year, very first kickoff to us, went to the house, and then those guys never saw a deep kick uh, again. Yeah. You know, it was it was always kicking yeah. it to the fullback. So, you know, do you experience any of that, and, and how do you adjust it? I mean, I know what we look to do and some of those things we had to get creative, but, you know, any of those situations where they're just not kicking it to your guys that you still want to get something out of it. I know things have changed now where you can – fair catch and get the ball to the, to the 25, but you know, thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I mean, we got a ton of it, a ton. And uh, it's funny. You, you watch your practices from the beginning of the year, they start to transform a little bit. And then if you turn on our, our film towards the end of the year, last year, if we had four kicks in a practice, two of them were probably kicked to the off returner. One was a squib and one was kicked deep because, you know, we just didn't think we were going to get kicked deep too. So we, we were practicing that a lot and kind of our philosophy in that. And, you know, I ran into some trouble a couple of times trying to do too much stacking the returners uh, and trying to move them late to try to, you know, switching the return and, and keeping the bodies in the same positions. But ultimately what I've learned is it goes back to 100% possession. If, if they want to kick it at our fullback, um, I'm going to put an athletic fullback there that can field the return and try to get us up to the 35, 40. If they're going to kick it to our off returner, what we kind of got to was um, we set up a return 
that we would make a call and, you know, if they kicked it to our off returner, we would make a left, left, left call. And we had a return set up off of that. So it was always going to be the same base style return. Um, and typically if you're kicking across the field from that hash, I mean, unless you have a pro pro kicker, that ball's going to land on the 10 yard line. So if we can execute lever- strike and leverage, get up field, we're looking at a, uh, a 35 yard start, uh, you know, start point. So at the 35 yard line. And ultimately that's what we're looking for. If we can start that ball at the 35 yard line, that's a win for our kickoff return unit. So it might not show up in the, in the return stats in terms of yards per return and all of that. And I know we talked about that a little bit before the LFG clinic, but um, you know, it's all about the starting point for us. So if you want to line one at our fullback, if it's hot, let it go through, we'll field that and get downhill. Um, if you can field it and get eight, 10, good. We just started at the 35 yard line. So, and our returner has all of that discretion. So he's going to make wedge calls. He's going to make through calls. He's going to make left calls. You know, he's going to be the, uh, the decision maker in the back end. And then ultimately we just got to make great decisions, field the ball, hundred percent possession and, and try to get us a great starting point. So, um, you know, I think a lot of that is taught having some, some different options in terms of where they kick the ball and what you can do, but trying not to, uh, to overthink it because it's all about where you start. Flipping things over to the defensive side of the ball and your work as the safeties coach. I know at Maine you guys um, do a good job on your third down defense. What's the approach you guys take on third down? Yeah, we've, we've had some success in a lot of that. Um, you know, we play a lot of man-to-man. We've had some great guys up front where we've been able to rush for the past couple of years and get there, you know, and playing some man-to-man. So we've been fortunate that way. But, um, you know, our, our, our biggest philosophy is we want to play catch man. We're going to know where that, that first down marker is. We're going to catch. We're going to trail and try to get you to throw the ball over the top. And, uh, you know, we've had some success with that and getting guys to cut loose because if you got 11 guys on the same page, you know, you're playing catch man out there on the perimeter, you're, you're um, jamming up some timing at the receiver spot, you're cutting loose up front. Um, you know, a lot of the times if you can have 11 guys on the same page with some safeties over the top, some guys underneath with great leverage and some trail, um, a lot of times you'll hit home. And that's kind of like where our foundation is gone. And we'll do a couple of different things on third down, but our success has come from man to man. And, uh, you know, our guys, you know, have kind of, that's kind of been our, our culture and where we've gone to. So take onus in it. A lot of times you won't even see them looking over at the corner spot because they know they're going to be playing man to man on third down. So, um, you know, we're not trying to hide it. It's not much of a disguise. Offenses know it. Uh, we'll change a little bit of how we do it. One high, two high, some underneath defenders, but, um, you know, it's a mentality, me versus you. And if I play the right technique and use, you know, where my help and my support is correctly, it's going to be a hard conversion for you. And that's kind of where our third down defense has gone through the past couple of years. We've had some guys come on recently and talk about the, the corner technique on this the thing. We haven't talked about as much as the technique for those guys who are given help. So your safeties, whether that's one high or two high, and I know you mentioned you guys do some, some things underneath as well. How do you coach up uh, the way that these guys give help and, you know, either be able to, to, to break something up or, take it away that well we want to be on the first thing we want to know is um you know whether you're underneath or on top is where's the help number one so we're going to look at the sticks we're going to look at help so if we're in a one high defense um we'll have dividers inside outside versus inside leverage do i have a low hole help or do i not um you know and our safeties are involved in that so we can get a little more depth if we have low hole help 
where if, it, if it's a pressure one high, that ball's probably going to be getting out a little sooner, so we're not going to drive to depth. We're going to try to stay square and expect that ball to be thrown hot at the sticks. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's a lot of understanding and, on the defense and schematically what we're trying to do. So playing with leverage and, you know, if it's a too high understanding, everybody underneath is going to be inside leverage. They're going to be outside type throws, or if they're going to be over the middle, they should have some air on them because of the trail. Um, you know, and just understanding that, but we want to be on top of everything and we want to play like center fielders. So uh, a lot of the things we do on third down days, we call it decisions, decision posts, decision halves, where that ball's in the air. Can I go get the pick? No, I got to get my eyes to the, to the receiver now and make a play on the hand. So, um, you know, we want to be on top of everything. We want to see everything. And ultimately we've got to know where the sticks are and what their favorite routes at the sticks are. So um, for me, it's, it's about where's my help and leverage and um, you know, what are their favorite concepts near the sticks? So coach, uh, you know, working those things, obviously in a team period, um, you know, there's expectations you want to see those, what kinds of things do you do to prepare your players, uh, whether that's in individual or group drills, to to give the kind of help uh, that they need to on your man coverage downs? Yeah, so the first thing, I mean, from an individual standpoint, um, obviously a lot of this stuff is covered in the meeting room. We'll go out for a DB walk and just talk about leverage, um, dividers, so that guys can feel it and see it. And I think that's important. So in our walkthroughs, we'll do – Something simple is like a vertical drill, where if we're in a one high man, we'll go three by one and, you know, we'll catch and go vertical so that the safeties can see and the underneath defenders can feel where they're supposed to be um, on an over route or a seam route, right? I want to undercut an over route to force that ball over the top, or if it's a seam route, I want to bump it. I want to bent arm's length, trail it to force it over the top. So uh, we'll do group work. And then when we get into individual, the first thing we'll always start with, because um, as safeties, our guys can go down and play catch man or they'll, they'll play deep. We can, you know, within our defense, um, you know, do both. So, you know, we'll, we'll start with some catch man drills. So we'll typically we'll work some catch, some square, um, you know, bounce feet, uh, catch to trail. We'll work some scooch, which is a, a technique we use off some detached receivers, which end up, you know, essentially getting to a trail. And then ultimately we'll work our zone drills and put it all together when we get into the practice format. So we really teach it all because all of our guys are going to be playing catch man. All of our guys are going to be playing some of that zone. Um, and then when we get into the group drill, we're really just executing it. When, when you look at uh, your man coverage, especially, you know, if you're playing too high behind that, what, um, what seem to be the things that offenses are constantly trying against you? You know, what, what do they feel from, you know, watching film and what other people do? What do they feel like is the way to attack that? Yeah, so the, the one, uh, we've, we've seen some pretty good game plans. Probably the best one I've seen is three by one, um, you know, trying to get the out to the field because you're essentially running off that uh, the two-man safety with the, you know, the second slot and the first receiver on the outside just trying to run that deep sail by number three. Um, a lot of times, you know, we'll find some issue there. Uh, but certainly, you know, we have some techniques and some things that we do off of that. Um, but any of the deep out stuff, because we are inside leverage, you know, that's where we, we you know, run into some issues there. But we have some different disguises and some things we do to change up, um, you know, in the zone man back there to uh, to counter that a little bit. So, um, you know. 
being in a, in a, in the man defense, a lot of times you're going to get schemed up a little bit. So, um, you know, we try to find ways to, to combat that and change up where our zone defenders are and try to change our disguise and what we do. And ultimately sometimes we'll bring pressure off of it. So, um, you know, a lot of the deep out stuff, especially in two man can, can get difficult. I know. in looking at this past season, uh, Brandon Staley with, with, uh, the Rams had a lot of success in utilizing disguise. You know, now he's, he's the head coach of the, uh, the Chargers, um, but that disguise, I think, is important. And it's when I work with a quarterback and, you know, usually work with one high school quarterback a year and, and during the season we'll watch his film and just try to get some indicators on what teams are doing because, you know, all mm-hmm. too high is not the same, right? You're going you're gonna to look at where is the guy in relation to the hash. Is he inside? Is he outside? Is he on it? What does that tell you about where he's going to go? Um how how do you uh, teach you guys, I guess, to avoid giving away those indicators, especially early? Well, for me, it, honestly, it comes somewhat naturally. Um, so I tell the guys, you know, for me in my first meeting, I was a quarterback. You know, I, I'd never played one-on-one outside of high school. I wasn't playing safety. I didn't play two-man. I didn't play. I I looked at the guys playing two-man in college, and that's – so from my perspective, if a guy's in a different stance or he's aligned different, it, for me, I always tell him, look, this is the first thing I look at. I walk up, I look at the free safety. If you're at eight yards and you're not at 10 this rep, something's up for me, right? Or if your demeanor's different from every rep and that's taught. Um, so that comes somewhat naturally for me in the disguises. And we, we're, we emphasize our alignment and our disguise so much here because from a quarterback perspective, I think that if you can make them think after the snap, if you can get them to think for a second, um, it puts us in a better advantage. And just teaching guys, you know, where's the quarterback looking in certain coverages, pre-snap, post-snap, and dictating where we want the football to go with our pre-snap alignments, um, you know, just harping on that. And, again, I I think it comes somewhat naturally for my group because everything I look at naturally comes from a quarterback perspective because that, that was my position. Um, you know, and just trying to develop a game plan, you know, in the mind frame of, okay, this is my opponent. How am I going to get him off track? And, uh, you know, we're all, we're constantly trying to harp on that in our different coverages and alignments. Um, you know, and I think as, you know, quarterbacks get smarter and more developed, it it becomes an ongoing battle. You know, can we play with him pre-snap and, you know, can we get back to position post-snap? So, um, we talk about that a ton in our room. Coach, we've covered a lot here in this short podcast and you do some great things, but when you look at all you do as a coach, what would be the one thing you say that you do in your coaching that really gives your players the winning edge? In our coaching, I mean, you know, myself and our, our fellow DB coach, Coach Garrett, we're always talking about mental toughness. And that's as a staff, players, and for us, it's very easily defined in our program and, and in our room Mental toughness to, ours, to us is being where your feet are. If you can be where your feet are as a coach, player, it doesn't even matter, right? It doesn't matter what occupation or what you're doing. If you can be where your feet are and fully indulge yourself and buy in and give energy and effort to that specific something, right, player, coach, or anybody, um, you know, you're giving yourself the biggest chance to succeed. So we always we're constantly harping on mental toughness. And it's not just to our players, it's to our staff. Be where our feet are, 
focus on the tasks at hand, um, you know, and that's kind of the main way, especially in our TTG room, which is, uh, you know, what we go by in our DB room. Coach, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Coach Kite. Uh, my email, jared.kite at main.edu. Um, you know, I, my cell phone number is displayed on a number of different um, clinics and talks. But look me up. I'm, I'm open and available. So if you have any questions, film, presentations, PowerPoints, whatever you need, please reach out. Um, be glad to help with anything. And for our guys out there who might have a player for you, what are your recruiting areas? Yeah, so uh, my main recruiting area out of state is South Jersey. Um, you know, I've done some time in New York, uh, but primarily I'm down in South Jersey now recruiting there. And then the state of Maine, I'm in the, the Portland area. So, uh, But, again, if you got guys from any area at all, specialists, special teams guys, please send them right away. Uh, I'd be glad to take a look at them. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, you did a great job on Lawrence first and goal. We'll have – uh, that clinic talk up on coach tube soon and, and we'll put that link out there for everybody to uh, to uh, view the work that you did there but uh, again appreciate the time and good luck to you guys in 2021 awesome coach thanks for the opportunity thank you again for listening to the coaching coordinator podcast please if you are enjoying the podcast head over to itunes or spotify and click five star for a rate if you have a minute write a review it really helps the podcast check out our new home for the coaching coordinator podcast that's at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on twitter at coach k grabowski